Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. to welcome you to another edition of Dope Nostalgia, the podcast. We talk to people who had big things going on in their music careers in the 90s. My name is Naomi Carmack, and welcome. I have a special guest from an amazing Canadian band, has a, had a lot of hits, and they have the biggest like sing-along songs you've ever heard from the East Coast of Canada. Great Big C's Sean McCann is joining me on the show today and he's working on his solo career so we're going to learn a lot about what he's up to and first before we move on i'll give you a little bit of background on the band great big c wikipedia moment great big c was a canadian folk rock band from newfoundland and labrador best known for performing energetic rock interpretations of traditional Newfoundland folk songs, including sea shanties, which draw from the island's 500-year Irish, Scottish, and Cornish heritage. The band was very successful in Canada, with 11 of their albums being certified gold in the country, including four being certified platinum and two achieving multi-platinum certifications. Between 1996 and 2016, Great Big C was the 16th best-selling Canadian artist in Canada and the 6th best-selling Canadian band in Canada. While it has been confirmed that the band has officially retired, former members Alan Doyle and Sean McCann have continued performing in their own solo careers, typically including music from Great Big C in their set lists. Now, our special guest today is Sean McCann, so here's a little information from Wikipedia about his career thus far. McCann has released five solo works, Lullabies for Bloodshot Eyes, Son of a Sailor, Help Yourself, You Know I Love You, and There's a Place. In June 2016, McCann released the folk song Proud to be a Canadian for free online in partnership with the Canadian Red Cross to benefit victims of the Fort McMurray wildfires. McCann told the Canadian press that his feelings of despair over the disaster led him to write the lyrics. Once he was finished, he contacted fellow musician Jeremy Fisher to help him in the studio. In November 2017, McCann organized a benefit songwriter circle at the Algonquin Commons Theatre in Ottawa with his friends Joel Plaskett, Sarah Harmer, and Jeremy Fisher to raise money to purchase guitars for veterans suffering with PTSD and other mental health issues. He's the Shantyman and he's going to be singing for the west coast of Canada starting at the end of April on the 28th and 29th at the King Eddie in Calgary, Alberta the 30th in Brooks, Alberta for the Rural Mental Health Conference and scattered dates all throughout our province in May, including May 6th at my hometown, Edmonton, Alberta at West Edmonton Mall. Thank you, Sean, for all you do to help out people who really need the support in their lives. And he's doing some great things with his music right now. Let's talk to the one and only Sean McCann. Welcome, Sean, to Dope Nostalgia. Um, on our podcast, we talk about stuff that happened in the 90s as well as what you're up to now. Um, and I want to thank Eric for getting us in contact. Um, so obviously, Great Big C was a huge part of your career. Um, 
what makes you say this is the band for me? What, how did it all start for you? Uh, Ian a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the, in the bars of Newfoundland, St. John's where I'm from. I mean, it's mm. the highest amount of bars per capita in North America. And, uh, which is a good and a bad thing, depending on what your, uh, vulnerabilities are. Mm. But the good, one of the good things about it is that there's, because of the isolation, I think <clears throat> that, you know, that comes with being a Newfoundlander, there's a lot of people learn very quickly to entertain themselves. Ah. So there's a very high quotient of, uh, of talent, self-taught musicians who uh, populate these bars. So if you haven't been, I'd recommend to go. And if you're a music fan, like it's, you, you can literally go from what, there's so many bars and they're literally, there's a, a band and, not, and, and a good band generally uh, in every one. Mm. So that's where I grew up. And uh, that was the situation I found myself in. And I was, I started working in one of these bars when I started university. And I wanted to, I was just a bus boy. And uh, I noticed that these guys, the musicians, they got paid better and they bet, met way more girls than me. So I decided early on that mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the band. And uh, that was literally the motivation early on. So I bought a guitar and I started one. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So you guys, I, I know, are you still in the East Coast now? I live in a little village called Manatic, just outside of Ottawa now. I moved here about oh. seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, you you got to tell us Albertans, too, what an East Coast kitchen party entails. Uh, we invented that term, and it's generally, it's a genuine thing. I mean, uh, uh, what happens is people end up congregating in the kitchen in Newfoundland because that's where the stove is. Mm-hmm. So there's always a, typically a good party in Newfoundland. There's a stove with like stew on it or some pot of stuff you can access. And of course, the beer is in the fridge. Yeah. But the music generally sounds better. I think it's the acoustics in kitchens with tiles and stuff. So guitars mm -hmm. and accordions, they end up sitting at the kitchen table. And instead of it being in your living room or in your um, rec room, it's literally the, the heart of the party is, is in the kitchen. So mm -hmm. that's uh, it's. I think we started using the term kitchen party because I remember the much music. Erica M came to do a clip trip with us oh, cool. uh, before we were signed to a to a label or anything. And uh, we took her to the kitchen and she's like, what is this? And I said, uh, it's a kitchen party. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't figure out why we were in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, so, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that's where the that's where the phrase came from, I think, where we, we actually call it that. But it, it existed long before we called it anything. There's so many unique things about being from Newfoundland that I know that we've had a lot of people in Alberta who've come here for work over the last like 10 years or so, 15 years. So we've or learned 30. Yeah, <laughs> probably or, more. I, I should say, yeah, a lot more than that. <laughs> but, um, but so I've learned a lot, you know, about uh, and I've always wanted to go to the East Coast. But the sad thing is, is just it costs so much money to fly there compared to flying anywhere else. And it's so strange. Yeah, it's really, I mean, um, it's really hard if you're from there because you have to fly out generally. It's a long, it's a, Newfoundland is as big as Texas mm. and it's an island in the North Atlantic. So it's not an easy boat ride either. So, so, I mean, but the airlines, they, uh, they take full advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place, but it's, it, it is, it's becoming more and more expensive to live there and get there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's important that every Canadian tries to make the trip, I think. I think 
it's, it's, yeah, and I think the airlines, coast coast. you know, they they probably should give not just Newfoundland but Vancouver Island places that are that are offshore. I mean, you think that there'd be a maximum fee you can charge, you know, at some point. Yeah, yeah, they should put some kind of a guaranteed access that. to the world. <laughs> <laughs> you should be able to see all of your own country, even though we come from the biggest country on the planet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it should be we should get to see it all. And I've been lucky. I've gotten to see every nook and cranny there is in Canada, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Calloway to Haida Gwaii. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. It is a beautiful country we live in. That is so cool that you've had those opportunities, um, obviously, with music and touring. Um, when the band got successful, was it more success than you guys had anticipated? Because I noticed that in reading up, up on you, um, you guys took your name out of the running for some nominations for awards. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the East Coast Music Awards because, I, I you know, we, we were really, I guess we, it took us two years to get anywhere. Mm. And then whatever, you know, we just never gave up. Was We weren't the best musicians. By far in St. John's, we were, we literally were, we were just single bloody minded and we just, we were just smart enough and canny enough and tough enough to figure it out. Mm. And I think where we persevered, a lot of people just gave it up as in it's impossible and we just never accepted that. Mm -hmm. um, but when it, when it hit, I mean, it took two years, it was quite the slog and we gave ourselves a two year window. And at the end of that two years, I got to deal with Warner Music Canada. And I don't think they were, uh, by that time, we'd sold 10,000 CDs. Remember those? <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, it wasn't that they particularly liked the band. It's just like they, they wanted a part of it because they knew we were, if we could sell 10,000 without them, they knew they could sell 100,000 with mm -hmm. us, you know? So so anyway, we did take our, uh, we ended up winning all these East Coast Music Awards for like three years in a row. And it mm. just became a little bit... Uh, it, it just didn't uh, we, we withdrew because we wanted other East Coast artists to be able to win. <laughs> it was yeah. it wasn't an ego thing or I was just like, listen, thank you. We've won this thing now. It was literally three or four years in a row. We'd won the main award and on all the main awards. And it just felt I just felt I didn't you know, I felt wrong to me to keep to keep winning them. So right. then, you know, we applied ourselves to the Juno Awards in a major way and we've yet to win one. We've we've lost 12. Really? <laughs> Yeah, we've never won a Juno. Everyone thinks we've won multiple. It even says like <laughs> people multiple Juno Award winner, and and uh, I often get introduced that way. People assume we have, but we have never. We've lost twelve Junos, <laughs> like Susan Lucci. We're the Susan Lu Lucci of the Juno Awards, and uh, I'm nominated <laughs> for one for Shanty Man actually this year for Roots Traditional. Congratulations. Um, well, I actually, I don't know. I'm hoping to be nominated. I shouldn't mm. say I'm nominated. I wanna, I, I'm hoping. I submitted again. Yeah. Having sworn 10 years ago, I would never submit. But I was just <laughs> nominated. I, I put it in the, what it is, was I was nominated for an East Coast Music Award. Mm -hmm. So I figure after being away from there for 15 years, it's safe to go back. And I'm nominated there for an award. And so I then I went, <laughs> maybe quite foolishly, have submitted myself <laughs> to the Junos in hopes of a nomination. But that's uh, that's me, the optimist who never who never gives up believing, you know? You never know. You never know. And uh, no matter what happens, um, I'm sure the experience is fun just to be there and party and whatnot. No, not for me. It's all about winning now, Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> right I on, to, okay. I said to our mutual friend, Eric Alper, I said, so Eric, what, 
if I submit for a Juno nomination, I mean, I've lost 12. There's no possible way they could deny me again. And he just looked, he came back, he said, well, you've lost 12 in a row. <laughs> there's, there's every indication <laughs> to the opposite that you probably lose 13. <laughs> That's the promo clip of the show right there. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows about the Junos? But it, we, we live in hope. We live in hope. No kidding. Now, do you have a very musical family? Uh, no, not really. My mm. mom played some piano. My dad was a good recitation man. He used to tell stories, um, like uh, recitate poems, long form poems that told stories, like Robert W. Service. And uh, wow. so everyone in Newfoundland uh, had, and they, they're, he's a gregarious fellow, lots of jokes. Mm. But everyone in Newfoundland, if you can't sing, and not everyone really can, but um, most people can, but as far as leading the song, if you don't do that, then you generally have stories that you can tell, you know? Mm -hmm. That's the so, other thing. Stories are powerful things, as we know. So when you originally decided to get into music, did you have other passions you were pursuing or was it just you knew right away, I'm a musician? No, I was, uh, I knew I was interested in music and not just because of the girls and, and the better pay and the bars, but I, I, I genuinely loved music from an early age and uh was collecting vinyl i still have every record and cassette and cd and even a track that i that i've consumed over the years and i um oh that's awesome yeah i've always loved it but i didn't know that i was capable of it until i bought my first guitar old brown but i was 22 years old when i bought him mm -hmm. so or sorry 21 so i was late to the game and i wish i'd started earlier but uh i just never really had any uh I played hockey, you know, like I didn't, okay. I didn't go down that path, unfortunately. I, who knew? I was actually in band in grade eight. Now that I recall, I was, uh, they gave me a clarinet, which is really not what I'm interested in. So I didn't do well. And I was kicked out of band in grade, at the end of grade eight for having no musical aptitude. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really go back that way until, uh, until I got in university and fell in with my thespian friends. I hung out with philosophers and actors and songwriters and poets and and i fell yeah. in with that crowd yeah who are some of your musical heroes um there's a crowd there's a newfoundland set of heroes but there's mm -hmm. also some you know big big bands for me in the 80s were men at work the police uh the pogues came along but i think my my real heroes if i were to boil it down it, it'd be like Johnny Cash, I think you need him. Everyone needs a bit of that. Uh, the Clash has got you need that in your life. Mm. That's the ringing of the rock and roll bell. <laughs> and Bob Marley, I think he's, I think he's an essential to me. And and um, John Lennon, yeah, solo. And you know these are I could go on and on, but these are the when it boils down. I actually get asked that question a lot and. But those four stand out for sure as far as motivational, consistent. And I love them so much that I don't listen to them too much. I don't ever want to be tired of those artists. Yeah. They're that precious, you know? So I save it's, them for when I need them. That's a smart thing. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to overkill what you love. <laughs> that's yeah, how I felt about a... Jagged Little Pill when it came out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a few girlfriends who felt the same way, and they – uh they really OD'd on Jagged Little Pill, man. It was like, <laughs> I dug it. It was cool. and uh, But I get it. It was definitely, uh, that's one of those records that people just, 
people live for that record, you know? That was yeah. a, a couple of years straight where that was full on. For sure. Yeah. It, it's probably, I think it's the number four best selling album of the whole 90s, too. So that's uh, quite the accolade. <laughs> yeah. It was like the, just a powerful noise that came there, you know? It was like for me, that was the clash was like that for me. It was literally a bell ringing in your head. Like, here we go. Mm-hmm. No bullshit, full on, let's go. And that's exactly where Morissette came out swinging, you know. For sure. Much respect. Tell me about your recent project, what you're currently working on now. I, over the pandemic, I uh, was, you know, I kept busy with virtual stuff, but myself and my wife wrote a book together called One Good Reason. Mm which is about my recovery journey, our recovery journey. We actually published that early in the pandemic and that became a Canadian bestseller. And um, we never did get to promote it properly. We never got to do, we had a year's workbook just doing the book, all the lit lit fests and in-store book signings with Indigo nationally and all that kind of stuff. And that never happened and hopefully it will Mm -hmm. still. So that was early on. And then just most recently, um because i thought you know we thought the pandemic was going to going to last a couple weeks but in the second year of it i um i went back to my uh, one of my favorite hobbies and that's researching sea shanties and uh i've got a master's degree it's not finished i left with the band it started but i have a a, a degree in philosophy and a master's started in in folklore and folk music <laughs> in ethnomusicology wow. yeah so I'm a total folk nerd. So I've always, and I was the shanty man in Great Big Sea, mm-hmm. and I knew where to find this stuff, and uh, and and I love messing with them and and evolving them, and arranging them. So I've got this shanty file. It's got over a hundred songs in it, and it's been on. You know, it's, you know, when I left the band, I was, and I didn't. Well, when I stopped playing with the band, I wasn't really interested in that, and I started to write different songs about recovery, which is a lot of them are in the book. One good reason. But this winter, I I kind of missed, and a lot of my stuff has been meditative and 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 you know it's very message driven, especially with mental health and addiction. But this stuff was was just these songs are physical, you know they mm. they're belters, and I miss that, you know, <clears throat> singing like you're swinging for for the for the fences, you know. And I just I found myself up in my studio here just singing them one day and it felt so good that I just started demoing them. And then, then my wife said, you know, you should make this record. I've been talking about Shanty Man forever, mm-hmm. my next uh, traditional record. And then uh, Shanty Talk happened <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm like, okay, well that's, and that was only a second. I mean, in an internet blip where shanties were famous and my kids thought I'd be huge again. It lasted about a day, but I mean, for me, the shanties have been my whole life, and uh, I just saw it as a sign to do the record, and I and I just did. So, and that just came out in in Labor Day this September. That's fantastic. Um, it sounds like such a unique project too, and you had some people uh, working on there, like Hoxley Workman, um, Big Sugars, Gordy Johnson, etc. You know, like a lot of people involved. Uh, not many, but they were. I did the whole record myself and then mm-hmm. it sounded I know a good record when I hear it I'm like oh my goodness and I still have that version and I'm like I'm gonna have to spend money now <laughs> because it's, it's you have to serve the song and that's the uh, the motto of the shanty man the servant of the song and I'm like okay 
this could this is a good little record it's an indie record it's what i did on my pandemic vacation all by myself playing all the instruments but i'm not that good at all those things and i know it could it could be better if uh so i uh rather than deny its potential i spent the money and i went to guys who think big and it was first stop was hawksley workman again we weren't in a studio together he's in peterborough so i just sent him the record and I said, you know, play bass and drums for sure and everything else you want. And he just, you know, it only took him a few days and he just blew it up. Wow. You know, the guy is a, he's just such a great player, you know, and uh, it's weird because you, we didn't have the opportunity to work it out. These are, these were arrangements were fully formed, play in, pl fill in the blanks basically. And he just crushed it. So then that came up and then I, I sent it to uh, a fiddler from, Nova Scotia, uh, J.P. Cormier, mm -hmm. who's an under, he doesn't get a lot of attention. He's more of a, he's more of a mandolin guitar guy, but I just happen to know from, from my friend, Joel Plaskett, really, because he played on Joel Plaskett's records. Oh, and yes. I sought him out. I said, Joel, who's the guy who plays on your records all the time? He's really unorthodox. He doesn't sound like the Cape Breton guys. And he's, so he hooked up with J.P. again. J.P. had it for two days, sent it back, and there was the fiddle. And then I knew I had this dangerous little record, and uh, I, I was going to mix it myself again to try and save some money. And uh, I my wife talked me out of that. She said, look, Sean, this is some of the best work you've done. We need someone good to finish it. And uh, so I there's this guy, Gordy Johnson, the big sugar man, and I've loved him for years, been fans for years. I actually tried to get him to produce a great big C record, and... We had a meeting in St. John's at this bar called the Duke of Duckworth one day, and, and I talked the guys into at least talking to him because he's not like us. He wasn't a folk guy. He was a rock and roll reggae guy. Yeah. And we sat down, and uh, one of the guys asked him, Gordy, what would you do if you had the opportunity to produce a great big C record? Hmm. And he'd, he looked at me and said, Sean, what's that drum thing you play? And uh, it, well, I play a goatskin hand drum called the Boron. Yeah, and I said I said it's uh, it's a boron gourd, and he said, "Well, I'd take that little drum thingy you play, and I'd make it loud as fuck." <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the first thing I would do. And of course, you know, as the drum thingy player, I thought that was the best thing I could hear. <laughs> but I looked around the table, and I could see the eyes gloss over. So that wasn't happening. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I held that in my heart for many years. Uh, it was an opportunity missed. I mean, I, I think, you know, he talked himself out of that gig. <laughs> but he was upfront and honest. But I can honestly say that with this record, that the drum thingy, the boron, is as loud as fuck. So I'm, I'm finally oh, satisfied. That's incredible. That's, yeah, that's no, he was great. Right he, there. Again, he, uh, he just does what he does. There's no direction given. I did not offer direction to any of those guys, J.P., Oxley, or Gordy. Mm -hmm. I... Uh, I assembled this arra these arrangements and and let them run with what they could do. They were and they were beasts at it, and uh, it just worked out well. Because again, normally you'd be in the same room, and in this case, it was all remote, and it was a real roll of the dice. So, uh, but I'm really happy. It, it turned out to be a powerful little thing, and it's. Uh, if anyone wants to listen to it, just go to seanmccannsings.com, and that's where you'll find it. You know what? It's fantastic, and I'm really supportive of the idea that you are not releasing it on streaming platforms. Can you tell me a bit about your stance on that right now? Can't afford to. I had to spend yeah. money on this is a good record. This is <laughs> Yeah. Shanty Man is good. It's a good it sounds good because it costs money and it's worth it's worth money in my opinion. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, like many, like every artist, like seven million other artists, uh, I've, for the last three or four solo records, I've just been, you know, uploading them directly. I don't see a purpose in labels, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's easy to do. to, to get, It's easy to give your money away and put it up for streaming, and that seemed to be the only game in town, so I did it. And then, you know, I took a look at it. Because sea shanties are about work, they're literally songs that are designed to help us accomplish difficult tasks by working together in unison and using songs to set the tempo mm -hmm. and create this harmony, right? So this, to me, that's why I think it's a great record for now, because we, we won't get through all this until we work together. And um, yeah. But I started to question the value of my work, you know, and especially in the pandemic when there was so little work to be found. I did some virtual stuff, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the incomes of artists have been essentially wiped out for the last two years. So I started to understand, I wanted to understand it more. I mean, I'm not I'm not good at math, but I looked at it and I'm like, wow, I only get 0.0003 cents per stream. It's not very much. It's not very much. And I'm like, I wonder why that is. And uh, so I Googled like Spotify, where it came from. And I learned that the, uh, the owner of Spotify, Daniel Eck, you know, he's, He's in the same period where I made about 650 bucks, like over four years with five records and 80,000 followers. He'd made almost four and a half billion dollars. Mm. So he'd done really well. And then he claims that Spotify doesn't make much money as a business. But when you uh, when you Google what it's worth, its capital uh, value is is almost 30 billion dollars. Wow. That's what it's worth in shares. Yeah. So. And I keep hearing that, like, all these, you know, the music business has done well. It's profits are up. And you've heard this since streaming started. Streaming has saved the music industry. Well, those profits are literally distributed to shareholders in companies like major labels, major labels or in Spotify. And they're distributed in the form of dividends. They, they're not distributed in the form of streaming is literally that little. But the, if you own shares in those companies... So I found out that the reason Spotify was able to get away with this is because all the major labels, all of them, sat down early on and they uh, they heard Daniel X pitch, and he needed them so he'd have this wealth of catalog hmm. to be effective. And they all agreed, and they all participated in becoming shareholders in Spotify early on. So the okay. fix was in. Now they're they probably that was a conflict of interest because. As a label, they're entitled to exploit the artist, but they're also expected to protect the artist. And in this case, while they increased the dividends to their shareholders, they destroyed the incomes of their artists. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you from the, the company Warner Music Canada that, that currently manages the Great Big C catalog, which I don't have sole control over. I'm only a, a one-third vote on that. Um, mm -hmm. They cashed out their Spotify shares in 2018 for 504 million. Wow. So a lot of, uh, not a lot, a very few people, a very few people are making an awful lot of money off the backs of a lot of people. A lot of people who are not wealthy people, a lot of people uh, like me who just are artists who want to share their music but are now being exploited. There's 7 million of us. And you know what? I uh, I really believe that they can they can obviously afford to pay a little more, and mm -hmm. I think that they should do the right thing and pay a little more. 
I mean, a penny a stream is not a lot to ask for, and that's the least they can do, especially when their personal profits are so egregiously high. So that's where that's why it's not there. And um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people, um, I get a lot of support from my from artists who are like, "Thanks for doing this." We're, mm -hmm. I'm afraid to say anything to them, to Spotify or to, I'm afraid to, to do what you're doing, but I appreciate that you're doing it. And that's mm -hmm. a terrible way to live too, when something has that much power over you. And I guess I'm just too old and to care about that anymore. I just, what I see only is the unfairness and, you know, I'm not going to hurt Spotify. My absence is obviously not going to damage that company, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make a, I'm going to use this record to say something. You're standing for something and that's important. If, like my like Jeremy Fisher's song, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And mm -hmm. uh, I think we all got duped on this one, and uh, by our record companies and by Spotify. And I I don't think it's too late to change it. It mm -hmm. would take very little to, to to benefit so many people and hurt Spotify so little. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, hopefully more people will rise up and and find other ways to share. Well, and I think just like you were already at this stance before the Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Um, exodus of Spotify, right? So I think those high profile situations really drew attention to it. And I hope it continues to happen. Yeah, I, my, my issue started uh, when I, you know, I made a point of it when I released in September, or Labor Day. But it's funny, because people, you know, I guess when Neil Young came out, it, it all became about this, it turned into this free speech thing. Yeah. And when so when I was posting about this, I get I hardly ever get hate, but I saw this hate come back at me. <laughs> you know, free speech and all this and I'm like, listen, if you wanted me to pick between Daniel Eck and Steve and Neil Young, I'm going to pick Neil Young any day cuz he's way cooler and he's got a good point. But this is not my issue. But you know, my issue is my, what I'm talking about is fair pay for for work. Yeah. And um and what I do what I do, I don't even know Joe Rogan. I don't know what he I don't listen to. I don't know anything about him. All I know is that for some reason, Spotify was able to pay him a hundred million dollars, <laughs> and they still can't afford to pay singer-songwriters a thousandth of a penny. It's such a like, piss off. Like honestly, it's not fair to anybody else on the it's platform. It's insulting. It's insulting. And you know what's funny? I got all. The, I did all of my statistics. Uh, Spotify has a has a. They don't have human beings you can talk to, but they have a website they put out in response to. You know what is what is turning into a growing uh, revolution, a small but growing revolution, and it's called. Uh, they have a web page called Get Loud, and it spells out all these stats. You know, like, mm. and they look at it as you know. So they've they've got like um, thirteen thousand people that made more than a thousand dollars or something. They look at their stats as if they're like a positive thing. <laughs> they're, they're so disconnected. Their stats are so miserable when you consider how many people are on it. <laughs> And they're waving these flags like we have, you know, 13,000 people that made $1,000. Well, but you still made billions, That's not you know, and 13,000 is, is nothing in, in 7 million. And yeah. uh, it's, it's bizarre how, how, short, how tone deaf they are to, to what they're doing. And you know what they don't do? They never invest in anything. Uh, they have never, like, unlike at least record companies who are, have a history of, of really, you know, taking, of, of, of being corrupt. What they mm -hmm. at least what they did was spend some money so that the artist could make a record. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix doesn't lift a finger or, or raise a cent. You know. Yeah. Spotify, sorry, Netflix was forced to do it. Yeah. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah.
Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Here's the ring. Here's the ring. Ring pop. You can wear a ring around your finger. Ring pop. I love the way a ring looks. I love the way my ring tastes. Ring pop. It's a juicy tulip flavor. Ring pop. Will you wear my ring? Ring pop. Ring pop. It's a lollipop without a stick. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, our podcast is on Spotify, so I think that's going to be interesting. But like, um, how do yeah, you feel? Yeah, well, about you're going to get in trouble with me. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about that? That's a question I I have to ask. Um, but well, I also, hope so. I hope that I mean this is an opportunity. I what I did with my Spotify account is I just put a little one minute ad advertising my Shantyman record. Oh, okay. And I guess because there's no humans there, no one noticed it. You know, it's a one minute ad. It's a mashup of three tunes. My voice saying, if you like this, go to shawmcansings.com. You know, that's because it's, smart. It's a platform. It it's a social media platform as much as anything. Everyone's afraid not to be there. Well, I said, I'll be there. I'm just not going to put my music there. My voice mm -hmm. is there, though. And I'm and yeah. my voice will be there on this thing, too. I don't want to shut a... Spotify down. I want them to do the right thing. Yeah. Is it you is know? it is it a bad idea for me to put any of the clips of the songs into this episode if it's going to be on Spotify? No, go go right ahead. Just don't put a full song on there, you know. No, I won't. I I always just put in like you know thirty seconds. Sure. Just to just to, so people can get a chance to hear the songs, and then yeah, no, then uh, we direct them where to get them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and where to get mine is shawmccansings.com, and uh, you can buy a limited edition CD. There's only mm -hmm. like 150 of those left because I only made a thousand, but that's enough to pay for the record, which is great. And I'm selling lots of digital downloads because people do want to support me directly. That's wonderful. And uh, and honestly, like it's not always a, all about the money. What I did do was I'm streaming all my music <laughs> on my website. So if you want, if you can't afford to buy or to own Shanty Man, you can listen to it anytime. Just go to my website and listen to it for nothing, That's as many wonderful. times as you want. 
I just, you know, so I'll, I'll stream it. I just don't want someone else to, to take some, take advantage of me. I don't, I don't think that's right. No, that's not who I'm I am. Glad you're doing that. I canceled my Spotify account. I was just like, why am I, why am I supporting this? Also, like, I don't think they're the greatest service to be quite honest. I think there's better ones out there. I think that uh, they were the, the quickly the big game in town because they were, they had the record companies to, at the table who were complicit as shareholders. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was just a smart business move, you know, mm -hmm. just like, I guess, Joe Rogan's manager smart to get, get him a hundred million dollars. So, you know, it's when you know better, you do better. And I canceled mine too. So we'll, we'll move on. We'll survive without it. And we'll look for better companies who, I mean, there are better companies. Bandcamp is out there. I don't, I used to use oh, yeah. Bandcamp. I, I don't right now because my website is able to do all that stuff. You know, uh, there's, you can listen to, there's players and, but Bandcamp never, uh, they're still around mm -hmm. and they, they take a percentage, they, but they've managed to survive and profit and, but yeah. not egregiously, you know, they, they, they're decent people. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm glad to see that they're still doing well. And I see a lot of like local artists, indie artists who are religiously using Bandcamp, which is nice. Yeah, it's, um, they're, they're, they're great to use. I might just put my song back there just to support them actually. At some point, yeah. I just I, I've figured out how to use my own website uh, and, and enable mm -hmm. the sale of the streaming of and all these things that Bandcamp can do. So I guess I'm saving myself 20 percent or whatever, but I should I feel like I'll put a song there just to give them a head like a good for you. <laughs> what you're doing is smart and it's awesome and it's cool that you can have complete control over that. Just doing it from your site. Yeah. You know what? It took me like. 30 minutes to upload my songs to, to Spotify. It took me about 30 days to get them off. <laughs> it's re really hard to get them back. I don't think I'll be, I'll be very careful before I upload them again to anything like yes. that. There's again, no, people, I, one of the comments on Facebook was, was why don't you uh, just renegotiate your, your contract with Spotify? <laughs> and I'm like, there is no, there's no contract with Spotify. There's just, there's yeah. just, distro kid or tune core you upload your songs and you hope for the best and yeah and you take what you get and uh you know that's just bad that's just bad business that's not that's not smart you don't know where your music's going sometimes with tune core and alike you know no and if you use a record label then it gets even worse because they then then they have control you know so I, i'm not a i'm not a proponent of record labels anymore i've just uh I've just, you know, whatever I can do myself, I will do. And uh, I do work a lot harder, but mm -hmm. I do have complete control over the material. And I can live and die by my, it's all my fault. I take full responsibility and at least I don't have to worry about them, you know? Right. And um, at least for my own stuff. I mean, Great Big C stuff is still unfortunately on Warner and still unfortunately on Spotify. I've been outvoted, but there you go. I tried. Right. Well. What can you do? I mean, record companies are, are useful for getting people off the ground, but after that, it's just. They used to be, it. but you know what? And I just know, like I've noticed, when is the last time someone signed a new artist? Like for real on a major label. And it's like I you were saying earlier, you had to show that you guys could sell enough albums on your own without them first before they would even look at, at a band, right? They, I don't think Warner Music has signed a band since Billy Talent. I That's don't have I think they might have signed a country artist. There might be a Megan Patrick. I think it's got signed. Okay. But I don't I don't think they sign anything. And I do know that as of a decade ago, because they tried to get us to do it, 
and it's probably longer than that now, was this 360 deal where, where record companies would take your merch, half of everything. Oh, so wow. all your merch, all your ticket sales. So they'd, they'd give you a hundred grand, but then they take your t-shirts and your ticket sales and all that stuff too. So, not but just not, your album sales. I take your, I thought that's how we made musicians made money nowadays was from touring. Well, you did, unless you'd sign one, unless you signed with a major label when across mm. the board, they were offering this 360 deal. This was the yeah. new reality. And uh, it just, I don't think it went very far because you don't, there are no new artists that pop up, not via, not via record companies anyway, you know, yeah, they might get point. managed by publicity firms and stuff after, but uh, it all seems to be a different thing, but I don't, I don't see them. Uh, I don't see them investing lots of money in, uh, in things anymore. I mean, I could be, I could be totally wrong, I could, but I just, I've been looking at the domestic roster here uh, on, on Warner and, um, uh, Universal. I don't. I don't see a lot of activity. It's <laughs> very not, interesting. They're living off their dividends. They're not investing. They're not spending money on artists. Yeah. Which is sad. Well, I'm going to uh, move on to some happier things. <laughs> yeah, let... I don't want to be a bummer, and I just. I'm just. No, you're not like... being a bummer. You're not being a bummer at all. I'm glad we talked about that because I think it's very important for people to know what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean the the down like what what what'll eventually when you when you just when you devalue an asset like music, which is more important than money, then it mm -hmm. once you put it under duress, you might lose it, and that's what I that's why it's worth talking about because it's mm -hmm. something we can't we shouldn't lose this. We need this. This yep. is what this is what being human is about. This is what helps all the time. This is what heals. Especially we need now. it now more. Especially now, yeah. Especially yeah. now, so. You know, I've I have I might have lost my faith in in streaming services and record companies, but I haven't lost my faith in music, and it never will. Yeah. You know, it means more to me than than money for sure. Um, what country besides Canada has embraced your music? Like, what? Where have you guys gotten to travel outside of Canada and and perform? Um, personally, just me, it's just Canada and a little bit of America, which I'm going back to again this summer. But, uh, if you're talking about great big C, it was literally mm -hmm. mainly just Canada mm -hmm. and a little bit of America. We, we got half big down there in some towns like Boston, the Eastern seaboard. We might've been up to a thousand people. Oh yeah. In some markets. Yeah. And, uh, but that was pretty much it. We did it. We'd occasionally go to Germany and Denmark, but that was. That was more about getting on the piss than <laughs> that was just because it was fun. Did you <laughs> try it? Beer. Did you guys do any of those festivals that they, those European festivals that we keep hearing about? Yeah. Yeah. Again, we'd, uh, we always, we'd never make a cent over there, but we had, we had great fun doing them, uh, especially mm. in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go back there and make no money again. No problem. They were great fun. Although <laughs> I've, I've been sober for 10 years now, so I don't know if I'd see it through the same lens or if That's I'd be wonderful. able to. Yeah, if I'd be able to survive it because it was quite the party. Congratulations on ten years of sobriety. That's amazing. Thanks. I uh, I am proud of it, and um, you know I'm 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 feeling strong. I'm ready to go, and I really miss singing. So that's it. I'm coming back. I'm actually going to be in Alberta Ooh. in uh, in the end of April. I'm in Calgary for a couple of dates at the National Music Center, the King Eddie, a little place there. Excellent. And I'm in Canmore. I'm in Canmore uh, for a gig, and I'm down in Brooks for a mental health, rural mental health conference as a keynote speaker. 
But I'm not in Edmonton of yet. I can't get it. I can't seem to get it. <laughs> no one's answering the phone yet in Edmonton. I'll keep trying. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, eventually we'll come see you. <laughs> but where do, where do people like me play in Edmonton now? Like, where would I go? Um, that's a good question. Um, Cause venues are hit and miss right now. And a lot of them have probably closed due to the fact that they haven't been able to make any money in two years. So yep. I'm sure that's a problem worldwide. Um, but to actually know where the, where the best spots to play anymore, who knows? Maybe still yeah. the starlight room. Yeah. Tried them. No, I can't seem to get them on the <laughs> really, maybe they're just not digging the shanty vibe, man. I don't know. What no, do? I don't think it's that. Cause <clears throat> I think every genre is welcome there, but, uh, well, I got to think about that. Oh, the, there's the, um, it used to be called the needle on Jasper. It's called uh, the station. Now that's a music venue. That's, that would be a nice place to check out to play. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. looking for like a, a place that's more about the music. So people can listen to what I'm saying, I, you know, and talking yeah. about stuff. Not, not just be sitting there in their own conversations and being loud. And yeah. I'm boisterous. not, I'm not interested in just, being background noise in a bar for people, you know, it's, it's yeah. that's not what I'm interested in at all. So that makes it a little harder for me, but I, I've usually been able to find um, little, little halls, town halls and stuff. And mm -hmm. but there's, a, there's still a few left and that's where I'll spend uh, the remainder of my shantyman tour. Good, good. But I'd like to come back. I like Edmonton. It's good people up there. Yeah. Yeah. We got that going for us for sure. The Absolutely. weather is the weather is something else, but <laughs> hey, I'm from Newfoundland. Like, there's no <laughs> you. You've seen some weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where you get knocked down when you walk out your door because the wind is 200 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, what deep cut from Great Big Sea have you guys recorded that you wish had been a single? I'd love to play a clip of it. Uh, live this life. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last song I wrote for the band and uh, and and with Alan. So, and we were I think we were trying to communicate with each other in that song. We fell short, but I think it was a beautiful song. Well, it was we'll almost like a good. It. it was almost like my goodbye to the band. Yeah. Just a side note: I was unable to attain a copy of the Great Big Sea song "Live This Life" to play um, as one of the deep cuts that I like to play usually off our artist's album. So, what I'm going to play instead is. When I'm up, I can't get down. But you can get that song, Live This Life, from the Great Big Sea album 20. You can listen to it on their YouTube channel as well as all the other resources for Great Big Sea music. I am the fountain of affection. I'm the instrument of joy. To keep the good times rolling. I'm the boy, I'm the boy. You know the world could be our oyster. Just put your trust in me Cause we'll keep the good times rolling Wait and see, wait and see Oh, wait and see There's exultation There's sweet disintegration A few discolorations Then it comes along why he chooses the kisses and the bruises There ain't nothing he refuses Then it comes along, it comes along And I am the 
up, I can't get down. Can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down. Get my feet back on the ground. When I'm up, I can't get down. Can't get down, can't get level. When I'm up, I can't. Uh, where would you tell someone to visit who was a tourist to? I was going to say Newfoundland. We'll go there, but also where you are now near Ottawa. What kind of what kind of tourist destinations would you recommend? Well, Ottawa is just Ottawa is it's a really cool place. Like it's a bigger town and I needed a bigger town. I needed space. So if you're into mm. like cycling, kayaking, it's a very healthy town and I like it. Mm. Um it's very governmenty though. Uh, and and, yeah. and sometimes prone to large protests. <laughs> I've heard or occupations, depending on where you stand. Um, as an Albertan, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing. Yeah, it's, it was a thing for the last month. That was a thing. But I mean, it's it's I, I've come to like I've really like it's become a second home to me. And uh, I recommend that every Canadian should come to Ottawa and and not just see Parliament and stuff. But there's. Uh, the city itself with the locks and all that this there's a mm. real cool vibe and it is very multicultural which i like mm. newfoundland is uh not so much multicultural but it is very irish and english and pubish yeah but the the, the geography there and people and you and it does have the most bars per capita in north america and it and, and it has a reputation as a party town and it's deserved mm -hmm. and if you're into that there's no better place you can go except maybe new orleans or vegas it's it's definitely in the top three Mm -hmm. uh, a bit colder than both uh but the geography the cliffs and i'm a sea i'm a kayaker i'm a shantyman sailor so Wonderful. sea kayaking i miss i do it on the the saint lawrence river now and i go to quebec quite often to get to the ocean but sea kayaking if you get to go to newfoundland you should sea kayak in newfoundland on real waves oh, and wow. if you go to newfoundland you should buy a good pair of hiking boots and get on the trails because you can walk for miles like if you left downtown and you drove 15 minutes in any direction to downtown St. John's, you're literally in the middle of nowhere really quick and you can get out of your car, get on a trail and walk into the woods as far as you want. And you can stay there if you want and you can light fires if you want. And there's a real freedom mm. uh, because no one owns, it's like a crown land they call it. So yeah. that's what I miss about it. In Ontario, every speck of land is spoken for. But in Newfoundland, mm. there's thousands of miles that you can just go for long walks in and it's gorgeous. You know, dress for the wow. weather, but if you get a good day, you'll, you know, 300 foot cliffs, raging ocean waves. It's pretty inspiring, uh, you know, uh, and it's physically demanding and that's the kind of stuff I'm into now. So if you like that stuff, do oh, it. Oh yeah. I, I love anytime I can be near the ocean too. And I'd love to see that because like, obviously I'm pretty landlocked in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, guess you're a, you've got to go west really closest to you, right? yeah like 12 hour drive to the coast but i mean still like i can't complain because we have the beautiful rocky mountains here very close you by, do so yeah that my is other favorite a place. view that yeah, is a view <laughs> love the mountains yeah they're gorgeous and um i think i was 24 years old first time i saw the rockies yeah and uh i've been going back on every year uh, uh, Banff is usually where I base out of Banff Center mm -hmm. up there, and uh, I've written a lot of songs up there. Really, it's definitely a big part of my life. It's I go there every year, even in, even in the pandemic, I managed to get there. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, must be inspiring. It is something bigger than yourself. It's nothing more. Uh, 
humbling, but, but honoring at the same time. Well, as I start to wrap things up, one of the questions I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, because we are 90s orientated, uh, what food, clothing item, toy, or anything, et cetera, makes you nostalgic for the 90s? Uh, I would say my CD collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, nice. the 90s are when we abandoned the vinyl and went full on CD, right? Exactly. And, uh, so I have all that at, at my fingertips. And I mean, I've got a couple thousand CDs. And, you know, the, remember those CDs were uh, now, now CDs? Yes. Now, number There's one, so many now, volumes. number three, much music presents now. So Great Big Sea, we're on like a half a dozen of them with, you know, I Mother Earth. And were you on Our uh, Big Shiny Peace. Tunes? Big Shiny Tunes. Yes, Big Shiny Tunes. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking about that the other day. It's such a huge Canadian. Uh, uh, legacy with those albums and how how they shared so many songs with all the whole country yeah we were on like three or four of them big shiny tunes because it was all through the 90s so every year we got asked to put a song on there for a while mm -hmm. uh, big shiny tunes yeah and uh, it was funny because it would be uh, like great big c our lady peace and junk house <laughs> just yeah. the weirdest mix of stuff right uh, we always kind of, I'm like, do we belong on that record? Because it was all kind of heavy, heavier stuff. And we were not, we were so not that. So did you face that a lot when doing like um, any kind of festival thing in Canada that did you guys feel like the lineup on the bill was like going to be much different than your sound? Oh yeah. We never had a drummer until the 10th year. It was year yeah. 11 when we actually got a drummer. So I was the drum. I played the Voron <laughs> That's loud mm -hmm. as fuck. And, uh, yes. It was loud. We used to have it really loud. But yeah, no, but we we were, you know, we we were, I guess, we must have felt intimidated and maybe we were just crazy or maybe we were, well, we were determined. So we were we were often on, on stage, sharing the stage and opening up for bands that were just like heavy, electric guitars, drums. and Yeah. But we uh, we earned their respect. Like uh, we ended up often touring with the, the hip Mm -hmm. and spirit of the west um big sugar like big big loud bands we we were able to hold our own we were we were over the top uh, our show was aggressive mm. we were great we were good singers like we um and we had a great energy and it was the opposite it was it was no darkness in our stuff mm -hmm. if anything like i mean you couldn't it was against the brand even every now and then i try to let's sing a sad one no <laughs> but it was, we were like the anti-grunge you know and uh, we wore yeah. the same clothes but but no we we uh it never deterred us it never uh it never stopped us and we earned our position people we had the respect of the heaviest bands including That's junk wonderful. house including like all all the big strong bands we were once they got to see us i'm sure they must have like been expecting like this is not going to work and then they're like oh, oh okay we all those guys are on fire <laughs> we all love great big c there is they're one of those canadian bands that puts a smile on your face everybody's happy to hear one of your songs come on you know it's yeah. it's it's a huge legacy to our, our the music in our country so i want to thank you for that and what you guys have done no thank you and you know thanks for listening over the years and it was uh you know one thing we we were probably guilty of instilling many hangovers but we certainly lifted <laughs> a lot of hearts too so yeah at least and, of all of mine 
Well, I'm very happy to um, have talked to you about all, all this wonderful stuff today, and especially talking about the Spotify thing, because I think it's important that people know what's going on. So thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, thanks for listening. And again, you know, we don't change the world in, in, in big waves. We change it one, one person at a time. And uh, good things can happen if you don't give up. That's I've learned that there's one thing I've learned in my life. That's it. If you don't give up, you have a better chance of being successful. Amen to that. I'll make sure that we put out the links so people can go to your website and, and listen to Shanti Matt and I'll, we'll, we'll be sharing it. So that's right awesome. On. Thank Lovely you so to much. talk to you, Naomi. And uh, yeah, keep in touch and tag me and we'll share it out. Social media. Yeah, we've got it. Send us an email. Dope Nostalgia Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, Dope underscore Nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.